0: Hello and welcome to God in Film, the podcast where a Christian and an atheist dive into the best that cinema has to offer and see if we can find any parallels with Gospel or any other Bible stories. I'm media coordinator and oncoming storm, Giles Goff,
1: And I am religious studies teacher and mad woman in a box, Natalie Minnicker.
0: And today, for this very special episode, we're going to be looking at Doctor Who, the long-running sci-fi show that is soon to be celebrating its 60th anniversary. Now I feel like Dr Who has a real special significance in our friendship.
1: It really does. I feel like I'm responsible for getting you into Dr Who.
0: 100%. Basically, right? So I watched Rose because it was such a big deal when uh, when it came out and I saw the incredibly CGI the 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 chonky CGI yeah, I saw it's a bit wonky. um it's not, it's not great, you know. I saw uh, Noel Clark get attacked by a bin and become all plastic, and <laughs> frankly, now, now, now that we know what we know about Noel Clark, that was definitely an improvement. But it, it didn't seem like it was, it was absolutely essential viewing. Mm. And then I came back from America, and Claire was like, uh, Nat was like, no, no, you really have to watch this, you know. <laughs> so while some people talk about Doctor Who being part of their childhood, for me, it was very much about that kind of early stage in your in your sort of adult life you mm-hmm. know like the fact that sort of rose is is by any regular metric an adult and she still doesn't really know what she's going to do with herself that was very much how i how yeah, well,
1: we were both still at uni, so that was like our default setting. Technically an adult, not knowing what we're doing.
0: Depressingly, <laughs> we weren't. I was graduated for a year by that point. You would or you were just graduating. was it? Two thousand five. Two yeah, thousand five. So the year I graduated. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So we're yeah, old. I remember. <laughs> I remember us going for long walks, and you telling me, "No, it's brilliant because it's this and it's that," and it's sort of. The, the, the sort of Doctor and Rose kind of relationship sort of got transposed onto our friendship because yeah, you had a I, car <laughs> I had a car which is as close as close to a TARDIS as you need in early and, North. and Wednesday, I was the know? working
1: class girl with questionable <laughs> clothes choices so uh, and you had a leather jacket I mean it was perfect yeah but I mean
0: I'll tell you something though when Rose got trapped in that alternate dimension and you went to China for a year <laughs> exactly the same feelings. I am just press, go <laughs> pressing my face up against walls whilst that whilst the, like the the doomsday theme is on, you know. It was that was a long year without you. It That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, I do you know? I do
1: apologize for abandoning you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, some of the more sharper-eared listeners will notice we're covering Doctor Who, which you know, for the hardcore fans, you'll obviously know we already did this several years ago. And to you, I say, A, well done for noticing, B, shut up, and C, it is an extremely long running show. It's been going for 60 of your Earth years. There is so much in it that I feel like we can probably uh, get away with having more than one show on it, you know? So (laughs) let's get our sonic screwdrivers at the ready. You got yours?
1: Yeah, I got mine.
0: Yeah, fair. well, actually, technically, I'm pretty sure you've got mine over there. You know? <laughs> yeah,
1: I may have accidentally stole it from your house when I dressed up as River Song at your Halloween party. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I tell you what, though, the, like I have, I have a real thing for River Song because <laughs> Alex Kingston does nothing for me. River Song, hello. Can I come to your house? So you please? had some and
1: confusing feelings at that party when your best friend turns up dressed did in River a song. little
0: bit. Yeah, <laughs> it was like okay, here's Nat, and she does nothing for. Oh, oh, wait, hang on. The hot window <laughs> has opened for our wedding. We did like different invites. there was like a Casablanca themed invite, and there was a, a Harry Potter themed one, and a Jane Eyre themed one, and there was a there was a Doctor Who themed wedding invite. One with like Claire, my wife Claire, dressed up as the, as the Doctor and me dressed up as River Song. So that's one of the few cosplays we've got in common. <laughs> oh,
1: we've both done River Song, I never we've realized both done River Song. Uh...
0: Now, without further ado, let's get into... <gasps> Nuts Facts!
1: Nuts Facts! Doctor Who is a long running British science fiction television series that follows the adventures of the Doctor, a Time Lord from the planet Gallifrey who travels through time and space in the TARDIS, his time machine. And just as you said, Giles, the series is celebrating its 60th year this year, 60 years, that's actually Mm -hmm. older than us. Um, (laughs) I know, we've been around that long. Uh, The first episode of Doctor Who, titled An Unearthly Child, originally aired on November 23rd, 1963. This date holds historical significance because it was the day after the assassination of President John F. Kennedy on November 22nd. Uh, The episode was repeated a week later on November 30th, which allowed more viewers to experience the beginning of the iconic series without the disruption caused by the news coverage of the assassination so I don't know if you were aware they actually repeated it the following week
0: I knew that I heard something about the show being late because of Kennedy's assassination mm.
1: I think it was more that people were like I don't particularly want to watch a new science fiction program when like something cataclysmic has happened
0: yeah no I'm uh, just so we're clear have you accounted for your movements on the uh, on the the time of Kennedy's assassination uh
1: Dude, you're my alibi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just two dudes hanging out on a grassy knoll. No big deal. Yeah. Whatever.
1: <laughs> um. Many episodes from the early years of Doctor Who were erased or lost due to the BBC's policy of reusing tapes. Fortunately, some missing episodes have been recovered through various means, but many are still missing. Currently, Mm -hmm. 97 of the first 253 episodes in the programme's first six years are missing. If I had a time machine, that is what I would use it for. I would go back in time, find the person who made that decision to wipe those tapes and give them a good long stare (laughs)
0: yeah but uh, like have you seen what they've started doing is they've started actually finding the audio for them and animating them Mm,
1: yeah they've been doing that for a while
0: Stories aren't, aren't completely gone, and also they've they've been able to sort of turn them into like novelizations and that. And, sort of and they thing, turn so. up
1: all over the place. I think only recently this year some more of been unearthed. So, mm. you know, it's it eventually. I re- my belief is they are all are out there somewhere, and yeah. they will eventually be found. Um, yeah. Another fact, Uh, the doctor's ship, the TARDIS, is one of the most recognizable images in British pop culture, taking the shape of a blue police box in the Mm -hmm. show. Although a TARDIS is normally capable of disguising itself to blend in with its surroundings, the doctor explains later that the ship's chameleon circuit broke down in England in 1963 and left the TARDIS stuck as the familiar blue box we all know and love. Now, real police boxes were phased out in the 1970s and over time the image of the blue police box became associated as much with Doctor Who as with the police. In 1996, the BBC applied for a trademark to use the blue police box design in merchandising associated with Doctor Who. In 1998, the Metropolitan Police filed an objection to the trademark claim (laughs) maintaining that they own the rights to the police box image. In 2002, Two, the patent office ruled in favour of the BBC, arguing that there was no evidence that the Metropolitan Police or any other police force had ever registered the image as a trademark. (laughs) In addition, the BBC had been selling merchandise based on the image for over three decades without complaint by the police. I love that. I love that the BBC owns the trademark to the police box rather than the police. BBC just
0: basically just went straight in and just straight up stole the... And just uh... went dibs. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, Did you know, here's an interesting fact, I don't know if you know this, do you know where the sound of the TARDIS materialising and dematerialising came from? That, That kind of grinding
0: noise. What, you mean a sound like this?
1: My goodness
2: who's just arrived
1: oh hi
2: hi guys hi sorry I've been a bit busy traveling all of space and time I there there has been some stuff going on let me tell you but hopefully now Charlotte Bronte is the one that wrote Jane Eyre
0: yes the, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right
2: okay good. So, oh. that. Although Anne, obviously still chronically underappreciated as always. Um, um, I may have I may have had a briefling with Cleopatra. She is a charismatic woman.
0: <laughs> we all had a briefling with Cleopatra Claire. We've all got the t-shirt on that one. <laughs> I like we, literally it's in my cupboard. It says I went, traveled through all of time and space, had a briefling with Cleopatra, and all I got was was this lousy t-shirt. Oh,
2: you mean I'm not the only one? (laughs) Oh, sweetheart. Uh,
0: So just for um, the listeners who don't know, Claire Goff has entered the chat. (laughs) And Claire is in this episode because, my gosh, how on earth would I try and keep her out of it, frankly? (laughs) Broadly speaking, we have a simple rule, and it's that Claire does whatever she wants on this podcast. So hello, darling, how are you doing?
2: Hi, I'm doing good, (laughs) thank
0: (laughs) you. Natalie, you were saying about the the TARDIS sound effect.
1: Where the sound effect comes from for the TARDIS materialising and dematerializing. I do not.
0: I think I do, but just impress me anyway.
1: It is the sound of a key being rubbed on a piano string. That kind of mm-hmm. like grinding metallic sound. Mm, um, I love that. That's so awesome! Just they apparently in the uh, in the workshop the oh was it the Radiophonics workshop? Um, they were just messing around with noises and they were like oh this sounds good. Uh, I have one more fact for you, and this is an incredibly self centered fact. Um, Love this it. is a little nat fact um, is that my eldest daughter's name was partly inspired by Doctor <laughs> Who. So my eight year old Verity, who you guys have been. Um, um you've experienced uh, yeah. my <laughs> my
0: goddaughter Verity. <laughs> yeah.
1: right. I, 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 I should like I should just say make yourself godparent. Yeah, I
0: am self-appointed godfather. Does she have a <laughs> Did you actually give her a godfather?
1: Uh, well, no, because we're atheists. Well, so. exactly. So that's why she
0: needs a godfather. Okay. Thank you very much. But should
1: she decide to be a Christian, I am handing her over to you. So um, yeah. awesome. <laughs> you can deal Works with Works me. Um, so, yeah, my god... My- I said my goddaughter. My daughter, eight-year-old daughter, Verity, was named after the late Verity Lambert, the first producer of Doctor Who, uh, who uh, was uh, the creation of the show back in the 60s. Uh, Verity Lambert, not only integral to... Establishing Doctor Who as a national institution. She was also a badass trailblazer for women in the entertainment industry. And I think if you're going to name your kid after a person, then she's a pretty good role model. So um, a pretty good choice. Yeah. 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 And by See, coincidence, f- her middle name is Rose, but that's nothing to do with Doctor Who. That's just a coincidence.
0: <laughs> See, I feel like you missed a trick here. You have another daughter and <laughs> you could have called her Sydney after the other... <laughs> creator
1: <gasps> No no I wouldn't put She's Edith I'm sure there's an Edith Somewhere in Doctor Who history, so... <laughs> S- awesome.
2: Sydney, we've not considered that one.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I should also point out that at the time of recording, Claire is seven months pregnant. And uh, if you have any ideas for the names of uh, of the goth spring number two, just uh, just drop them into the, into right the chat. We are. Russell. <laughs> yeah, Russell.
1: Russell T. Gough.
0: <laughs> well, the T short for Tiberius anyway, so it's all good.
1: And that's my fact
0: fantastic thank you very much Nat. now now it's time for <sighs> finding the faith in the film
1: da, 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 da. we didn't rehearse that that was perfect
0: <laughs> and it, it it really shows <laughs> so um as some of you know i write for premier christianity and uh claire works for a christian publishers gosh it makes us sound like we're really kind of died in the wall Christians does not it it's terrifying (laughs) and she from time to time sends me articles she usually sends me my own articles if I'm (laughs) honest but there was this one article she sent me talking about the faith parallels in Doctor Who and oh it made me so flipping mad because I thought I could have flipping written that why didn't I why didn't I pitch that
2: I thought you'd be like oh yeah that's really interesting it was like oh why didn't I (laughs) (laughs) there's another one
0: and then I read it and it was better than anything I would have come up with and that's that doesn't sit well with me as you know so anybody who I see as competition I try and recruit them and get them on side and that's basically what I've tried to do here we've got uh, a gentleman with us today who is absolutely a phenomenal writer a podcaster and uh, and a Christian frankly Writer, podcaster, Christian, and geek. Um, I was a little f- uncomfortable. This guy was sort of treading on my toes and coming onto my turf. But apparently, there is allowed to be more than one of us. So <laughs> there we go. I'm going to let him introduce himself.
3: <laughs> it's it's not like Highlander. There, there, there can be more than one uh, Christian Doctor it's a Who nerd bit geek. Like Highlander. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, it's a bit like Highlander with Gileses. Have you met any other Gileses? Uh, no. I can't think of any off the top. Exactly, of- because I beheaded them and absorbed their power, you know? <laughs>
3: though funnily enough I've got a friend called Nat who's got um, a daughter called <gasps> Verity um, <laughs> oh my uh, God. who has been on my Doctor Who podcast because she's a massive uh, do- Doctor Who fan so Okay but now I like, have to fight her
1: to that- the death I mean <laughs> those are the
3: rules, I do the rules <laughs> uh, Youngest has just turned one but his due date was uh, the 22nd of November last year I think and so I was like oh, he could, uh, he could end up Arriving on the twenty third in which case we've we've got to call him something like uh, uh, William Hartnell woodbridge or something
0: you know in all the excitement you haven't actually introduced yourself
3: oh yes uh, I am Caleb woodbridge I am the Caleb uh, and I'm a writer editor uh digital content creator, Um, so I write a substack, Big O on the Inside, about uh, the spiritual dimensions of storytelling, particularly in science fiction and fantasy. I have a very occasional podcast uh, on imaginative discipleship, uh, so exploring how uh, imagination plays a part in the Christian life. Um, So you can find those on uh, biggerinside.co.uk and imaginativediscipleship.com. I work for Media Cymru, a research centre at Cardiff University, working um, with uh, different companies and organisations in the Welsh creative industries to support uh, research and innovation. And I'm also a Doctor Who fan of Very Long Standing. Came to it in the wilderness years, so sort of very much through repeats and Mm novelisations and 1999 Doctor Who Night, uh, which... um, With the 3D uh, glasses. I remember that! (laughs) uh, Which... Was on my birthday. Yeah. That's kind of when I really crossed the Rubicon of Doctor Who vanishness. And, uh, it was sort of after that I was kind of buying Doctor Who magazine and collecting the VHSs and then DVDs and, um, big finish audios and stuff. Um, so I was overjoyed when it came back in 2005, uh, and particularly since I was heading to Cardiff Uni- University to, um, Uh, study English and history but Doctor Who was going to be made on my doorstep and I did indeed um, see it filming, in fact I I saw Doctor Who filming uh, at Cardiff University just this this week because they were outside the biosciences building pretending it was a hospital
1: I'm so jealous
0: That's
2: amazing
3: it's one of the fun things about walking through Cardiff because you do feel like you're
0: walking through a film set you mm-hmm. have, like Doctor Who yeah. and <laughs> and a bit of Sarah Jane. Okay, Caleb, let's get into it. What uh, what can you tell us about Faith Parallels in Doctor Who?
3: Doctor Who is really interesting because on, on the one hand, um, Doctor Who's got quite a strong rationalistic streak, humanistic mm-hmm. streak. Uh, it's often been... Um, written by atheists Russell T Davies, uh, Stephen Moffat, um, uh, Chris Boucher back in the 70s, Douglas Adams of course Mm -hmm. Uh, and so you very often had gods turning out to be mad computers or uh, evil aliens and and stuff like this and the Doctor applying his his rationality to disprove these superstitious beliefs Mm -hmm. Um, but there's, there's also then a bit of attention because the Doctor has Grown over time into this more and more messianic type figure who's saved the universe several times over, who is deeply moral and uh, empathetic. He sort of uh, forgives his enemies, like uh, the Master in Last of the time, uh mm. forgives Clara when uh, she sort of portrays him and stuff. Uh, he's a, a very non violent violence-as-a-matter-of-last-resort type hero, relying on his wits. Uh, There's lots that's very, very deeply Christian in in the way that he behaves as a hero – Some of those things aren't exclusively Christian, but they come down to us within our Western culture, very much inflected by Christian values and Christian heritage. Uh, So there's this real interesting spiritual paradox of uh, romantic rationalism, a desire for a messiah coupled with a, a scientific... Uh rationalism a someone who's both a lonely god and a madman mm. in a box um and uh I think in my experience of fandom, I think probably both outspoken atheists and Christians are sort of overrepresented uh in terms of uh often it's people with strongly held beliefs who perhaps feel a little bit on the outside of of yeah. the things who 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 particularly resonate with the doctor who That appeal to people both of no faith and of of strong faith uh, is really interesting. And I think Doctor Who is is a great opportunity. Uh, One of the things I love about science fiction is how it opens up these big questions in a way that uh, can bring people of different beliefs together around, around the the campfire mm. of storytelling mm. to engage with some of life's big, big questions. There's, there's Buddhism, there's Christianity, there's all, all these different things at different points. Um, Russell T Davies in particular often plays with Christian imagery, but in a way that's quite subversive and, and clever in terms of putting a more humanistic spin. Uh, on it, so there's 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 so much to talk about there across the sh- the show's sixty years of history. Hundred yeah, percent.
0: Do you want to tell us about the about the trailer? Because you made a fantastic point just about the Christopher Eccleston trailer. And like after fifty odd episodes in, I am pretty good at finding faith parallels at pretty much anything, as the Fireman Sam episode will. <laughs> <have been>. um, <laughs> you managed to find a faith parallel in just that that trailer with uh, Christopher Eccleston which I thought was fantastic, and I was hoping you'd tell us a bit, little bit about.
3: This was the trailer, uh, the Do You Want to Come With Me um, trailer back um, when uh, the show was coming back in 2005. So it was very much trying to get people on board, and it was Christopher sort of director camera. Do you want to come with me? Because if I you do, on, yeah. I have to warn you. I'm it won't be quiet, it won't be cal- <laughs> 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 calm, it won't be safe, but I'll tell you what it will be, the trip of a lifetime. It sort of mentions various things, aliens from the past, ghosts of, uh, ghosts in the past, aliens from the future, the day Earth died in a ball of flame, uh, eschatology even. <laughs> <laughs> in, 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 uh, <laughs> the thing it reminds me of is that call of Jesus to be a disciple, to come with him, mm. to follow him, the way he co- called these ordinary people, these ordinary fishermen, uh, and other other people out of their ordinary lives to uh, come and be his disciples. The Doctor's not just someone having adventures he's he's not just fighting monsters, he's fighting injustice and there's a wonderful speech by Rose in Parting of the Ways where um, she thinks she's been sent back to, to for her protection by the Doctor and she's trying to find a way back to him in the future mm-hmm. as he faces down the Daleks um, and she tells mum and mickey it 's not just the the aliens' adventures it's it's the the standing up it's saying no it's it's doing what's what 's right and so I think there's there's something deeply resonant in that, and I think that that moral core to the show and of the character of the doctor i think is something that's really integral to to the show's uh, long lasting appeal uh, and again it's it's got a a spiritual dimension to it it doesn't that can resonate across yeah. uh, different beliefs but but certainly it's uh, it's hard for me to hear that to you on the come with me thing without hearing the echo of uh jesus call to come come follow me mm. that's
0: interesting i think one thing you also picked up on was like just the exciting
3: nature of following
0: jesus i haven't been called to do any kind of long-term missions or anything like that but i've done sort of short-term ones in different places i've ended up making videos for different charities because following jesus and i think the entire sort of course of your life claire changed dramatically Mm. just because you followed Jesus didn't you
2: yeah yeah so I uh I I was working uh down south near near my parents living there after I left university and kept hearing about human trafficking and I I was kind of being hit over the head by the subject everywhere I went (laughs) until I got the hint that God wanted me to do something um in that area so um I ended up moving to Manchester and working for a charity and I, I never would have moved up here if it wasn't for that and I was Quite an anxious, shy, uh, early twenties girl. So it was a bit terrifying. It's not something I would have ever have dreamed of if it hadn't, if I hadn't felt like it was something God wanted me to do, and He really. He really turned up for me, honestly. <laughs> and it's worked out really well because I met Giles. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, it's been fun recently seeing these tales of the TARDIS that they've yeah. uh, put out with the introductions with the companions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you see with these little mini introductions they've got, getting um, the characters back into to do in- introductions to uh, classic stories is... They're all sort of saying about how the Doctor has changed them and it, they've sort of said for each of their companions they've given these clues about their life since then and the things they've gone on to do, making a difference with the environment or with investigative journalism or uh, campaigning on different, different things. And I think uh, each of them has been changed by the Doctor in a different way. By uh, spending time with the Doctor, they have become better fitted to make a difference in the world and that should be what the Christian life is is about and that by spending time with Jesus knowing God as he's revealed himself as a human being uh into the pages of history that we can become his companions as it were mm. uh sort of sent out to to do, do some good in the world to take part in his his mission of redeeming and transforming the world i mean obviously the the legacy of christianity in the world is complicated and there's lots of negative as well as positive aspects to that but that's that's what it should be doing by being with jesus we should be changed to to be salt and light and to to make a make a difference as well as sharing the faith giving other people the opportunity to hear about jesus for themselves but it's also just Uh, living out justice generosity kindness goodness forgiveness truth all of the all of these things all of the things that have become so taken for granted as part of uh our values um largely in our culture because of the influence Mm. of christianity never be
0: cruel or cowardly
3: yeah yeah yeah. Mm.
0: like Mm. you know i've been thinking a lot about the um I say thinking a lot. I mean, it's just come into my head now. I've been thinking a lot about the the Timeless Child um, story mm. arc. Now, do you want to give us a quick recap of what that is? Can you remember it?
1: Um, oh, <laughs> wasn't it like essentially like all the Time Lords are a product of this Timeless Child who was found and then it turns out it's the Doctor? Yeah. Because so of course it is. Best-
0: as, as best as Until I can
1: tell I'm not
0: remember a huge it. fan of this storyline. <laughs> uh, don't worry. None of us were a huge fan of this storyline, but as best as I can remember it, the idea is that the doctor had sort of turned up on Gallifrey mm. as a, a, as a baby and had been sort of taken in and has the ability to regenerate mm. and gives that power to the, the rest lords. of the Gallifrey people to arrest yeah. the time lords and it's so that, the doctor is the source of regeneration there i mean you can hear the parallel as i'm saying it can't you Mm. that this sort of person comes into the world and gives the gift of new life to everybody you know (laughs) and i'm literally just that's just occurring to me now you know
2: yeah i keep thinking about um the end of david tennant's era. It's, it's when uh, Wilf gets trapped in that sort of radioactive oh, thing. Um,
3: yeah, the end of time. Thank uh. you, the end of time,
2: yeah, and uh, and then the tap, Doctor... Tap, tap, tap. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's... He, <laughs> He's a lot more reluctant about his sacrifice than maybe Jesus was. Um, (laughs) um, But it's like, it's not even a choice for him. It's not even a choice. There's this one person who people would think is completely insignificant, Wolf, who obviously we all absolutely love. Uh. um, But he doesn't even think he's worth saving. He's like, I'm old, I don't matter, don't worry about it. And the doctor's like, as if I'm going to leave you there, (laughs) as if I'm going to let you die. That's not even a choice. so he, is like his instinct is to kind of sacrifice and save, but at the same time, you have David Tennant's character, Do- Doctor character, going through this. Kind of pride and and getting too close to trying to be a god, um, mm. and he
1: almost starts to ends
0: believe up... his own hype. Basically, yeah, like, in, like Waters, like, the waters Mars. of Mars, the Time yeah. Lord Victorious. Yeah, I
2: yeah. oh, up... love that when you see like, oh, he could so easily be a villain. Yeah, mm. it's so, and he almost ends up as like a fallen angel because he mm. starts to, to he wants to be a god and starts to want to have that ultimate power and just gets a little bit too close. Um, and mm. I think that was a really interesting just investigation into you know what if the Doctor starts to want to have all this power and and it it kind of comes from a good place of wanting to save everybody and wanting everything to be okay Um, but he still tries to take on that power for himself which nobody should have
0: I mean it lasts like for
1: 10 minutes doesn't it and then he realises the error of his ways so you know we'll we'll let him off and then he does an awful good job of trying to make up for it so
0: you know we've all been consumed with godlike power for 10 minutes or so you know
3: (laughs) And I think it's interesting because there are ways in which the deck Doctor gets set up as this kind of quasi messianic figure, mm. especially sort of say the end of David Turns' second series with the Master and the Sound of Drums mm. and mm. Last of the Time Lords, and uh, it's sort of the prayers through the Archangel yeah. Network mm. sort of make the Doctor ascend. He sort mm. of goes, "I forgive you to the, the Master," and, and 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 so on. And it's very much playing playing with that, mm. um, but at the same time. Unlike Christian belief, it's the, it's the power of humanity's belief that is the thing that empowers the doctor. So it's not actually drawing on a transcendental power bringing it down it's humanity's power creating something doing something so that's a sort of humanistic spin on it yes sometimes he he, he plays at god or people see him as a god mm. but actually he is a mm-hmm. a flawed mm. messiah mm. Uh, he'd make a very bad god he says in uh, one episode You were to get sundays off mm.
0: <laughs> we talked in the last episode about how about this weird trend of atheist writers creating Messiah figures. And I do I do wonder if there's something in that that needs to be sort of picked on that and I've I've seen this I've seen elements of this in the past where church and Christianity tends to come with like almost like a pre-packaged community ready to go. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You've got that, you've got that ready. And like our our church community have been brilliant. Literally, it, when you're having a kid, there's there's like a meal rotor sorted out for you. You know, when your dad passed away, a friend of ours from church just turned up and played with Riley while we got everything ready. Mm. They literally, our, our sort of friends from church turned up and helped us sort of clean our house and sort of shift like things around. And I think... Sometimes when you don't you don't have that community built in, and you don't have that um, singularity of vision, I think some atheists can miss that a bit. And I think sometimes maybe that's what maybe that's what like Russell T Davis, Big Russ as he's known to his friends, is uh, <laughs> is trying to sort of bring in there. I don't know, Nat. What do you think?
1: I think like the the whole community element of Christianity. I think it is something that atheism uh, hasn't really found an equivalent but i think mm. there are a lot of secular versions of that like you know when we were at university together our oh, acting yeah. society like that was our our community and i think there are uh, there have been attempts within like particularly within humanism to try and have to build those sorts of communities and the problem is a little bit with atheists trying to organize atheists is a bit like herding cats
0: herding cats yeah, yeah. <laughs> because which kind of atheist are you are you the yeah. humanist atheist are you the rationalist atheist are you the nihilist um, if, they're, if they're the nihilist we... you can stay well clear the thing is them, atheist
1: you know? is just a descriptor rather than a th- an ideology it's um, just a term fair,
2: that you use so atheists haven't had 2000 years to form denominations yet
1: so yeah so. fair play <laughs> like, we've but, got, um, we
0: yeah. have a bit of a head start yeah
1: going back to your point about like atheist loving messianist messianistic figures messianic Thank you. I can never say that word. you think I should be able to say it as being an RS teacher, <laughs> wouldn't you? But, um, yeah, I think it's a bit of chicken and egg thing to me because it could be that because... Even if you're an atheist, if you grow up in the West, you're surrounded by Christianity. And so, Mm -hmm. like, I class myself as culturally Christian, even if I'm not a Christian. So, like, I'm surrounded by the culture of Christianity. This is a a topic we do in GCSE. Like, you know, we do the question, is uh, the UK a Christian country? And you could just break it down to oh, well, you know, Christianity is uh, now technically a minority religion in that more people follow other religions or no religion compared to Christianity. But when you think about, like, our, our year is um, shaped by Christian festivals still. We have um, mm-hmm. Sunday being, you know, Sunday trading laws. Like, there's a million examples of this. So it could be that atheist writers are drawing on messianic figures. Did I say that right? Um, i thank you. Yeah as a as a as a writing trope because that is what we grow up surrounded by on the other hand like because I also my I am a religious studies teacher but my background is in um, psychology that's what I did at university I sort of Mm -hmm. tripped and fell into teaching (laughs) um I yeah I I think when you say
0: tripped and fell basically your boss has said you do it and you couldn't think of a good reason to say no
1: Yeah, it was uh th- twelve years ago. My boss was like, "Can you do RS just for one year?" And now I'm
0: <laughs> twelve
1: years later teaching it up to A level, and I bloody love it. If I was with my <laughs> psychology hat on, I'd wonder if is there something? Cause it's not just Christianity that has this um, Messiah figure, the idea of like a um, uh, somebody sacrificing themselves for the good of others, and then with resurrection as well. Like there are other religions that have got those mm. sort of motifs. Part of me wonders: is it just something within human nature? Like, is it feeding some sort of deeper uh, I don't know like uh, is it just something that our brains our brains are built to find those type of stories quite appealing I'd, I'd quite like to read some research on that so I'm not going to comment any more on it because I don't have the peer reviewed articles to back me up here so
3: <laughs> well I actually got a chance when I was a student to interview Russell T Davies oh <gasps> come on um, okay he wins the he's the
1: new Giles okay. there can be
0: only one Giles look we've already got Chapman Chapman's at a Doctor yeah. Who writer, so I'm just saying, like in the hierarchy of cool people we know, like yeah. we need to have a conversation about where Caleb comes into it.
1: You know, <laughs> I mean, he's in the running. Yeah, oh, he's, he's
0: part of the conversation.
3: Uh, I've got a couple of big finished short stories I've written, but I don't think <gasps> as much as Chapman. But but yeah, um, Russell T Davies said that he, he he thinks that religion is a very primal instinct part of our imagination, and mm. he suspects it's. As fundamental as the instinct to look up at the sun, it's a sort of solar mm. thing that we look up, and oh, there's this great big thing in the sky, and we sort of psychologically we extrapolate from that from there being some higher, higher being, higher source. Mm. And so he's sort of respectful of that instinct to look upwards, and interested by that, but at the same time he's often terrified by the the influence that religion can have, particularly politically, yeah. sort of in in the world. Yeah, it's very much that fascination with the power of belief and you sort of see that how writers are drawn to that
1: One thing like you were saying about uh, You know with Rusty now It's not Rusty Davis here It would be um, Stephen Moffat The episode where it's revealed about uh, who, River Song who she is yeah. um, mm-hmm. When the baby's uh, born A good man goes to war Yes thank you A good man goes to war So you have uh, One of the characters says some uh, Talking to the Doctor about the influence That the Doctor has And on one planet um, The word Doctor means soldier Warrior mm. And I feel like that You know that idea of Religion Yes, it can be good but can also lead to other things. If we're making this comparison that the doctor is like this um, a religious figure, then I think feel like that is uh, an example of where people take that religious, message but then militarize it and i think that is something that can happen as well Like
0: republican jesus
1: Mm. yes (laughs) like republican
0: jesus with the uh with the ak-47 and the maga hat and all the rest of it yeah like so (laughs) yeah like just the name jesus means different things to different
3: people yeah yeah all that said i would want to encourage people who maybe don't don't have a faith, who like Doctor Who, who like the character of the Doctor, it's like I would say, if you like the Doctor, it's worth you investigating, is this Jesus real? Is there really a Lord of Time who's uh, stepped into human history, who helps us, who uh, is here to save the world and to make us his companions so we can, can live that way? It might just be a a story like other stories, but uh, certainly my my conviction is that it is actually true. And so if there's someone like the Doctor, but real, isn't that worth (laughs) uh, exploring and uh, and investigating to see if that's the case or not? I
2: love the Mm. idea of Jesus' disciples and followers being like the Doctor's companions. That's Mm. a brilliant (laughs) comparison. I love that. (laughs) Makes me feel a lot cooler as a Christian. Yeah could also
1: say, because like, uh, the doctor, is the doctor omnitemporal? Um he exists in all points in time? (laughs)
0: No, that's the bad wolf, isn't it? That's that's Billy Piper is (gasps) omnitemporal. Ah
3: only for twenty minutes, you know. Yeah. Well again, um Russell C. Davies humanist agenda, it's the um uh, it's the ordinary everyday shop girl who becomes the bad wolf who becomes the one with the power of all time and space. It's sort of the an empowering Message in in that sort of way, but it's also interesting because in *Human Nature*, *Family of Blood*, you've got Timothy Latimer describing mm. the the He says uh, he burns like the fire at the heart of the the sun, mm. and uh, sees the turn of the universe. And he's wonderful, and it's very mm. strong echoes of Revelation one, where <laughs> it sort of descri- d- describes uh, Jesus in his in his glory, having gone into heaven, sort of shining like. The noonday sun and being being the one who holds the keys of of death and Hades and Paul Cornell, of course, he uh, wrote that his wife is a Anglican vicar. I think he's a Christian with pagan sympathies. He's sort of a little bit eclectic, but sort of very much into the sort of spiritual side of uh, of things. And the and that story of the doctor becoming human is very much the kind of. And then having to give up the life that he has, uh, it's very much playing off the the Christ story, the idea of incarnation uh, in in that one as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I met someone who, uh, an American who wasn't familiar with Russell T Davies and his uh, background and stuff, but had watched Um, series three of doctor who and assumed it must be deliberate christian (laughs) allegory because there were so many uh, christian themes running through it which i i thought was fascinating it's like uh, close but not not quite but it's definitely at play in there um just um different writers bringing different perspectives on it
1: i love that episode
3: yeah it's such a good story
0: okay ladies and gentlemen that is the end of finding the faith in the film section We have some reviews. (gasps) I say some, I mean one. Um, Yay! This comes in uh, from Alicia Hutchinson. uh, And she says, I started listening to the God in Film podcast because of their Taylor Swift podcast. As a diehard Swifty, I thoroughly enjoyed hearing Giles and Kat talk all things Miss Swift. Not only was it entertaining to listen to them and discuss the intricacies behind Taylor Swift's music, and I mean, she's a true mastermind, I also gained a new perspective on her music and perhaps even her own personal faith journey too. The podcasts are incredibly easy to listen to. I laughed a lot and found myself debating with them out loud. I even joined in on the top 10 Taylor Swift songs. And yes, I agree that all too well, 10-minute version is a masterpiece. Accurate. Overall, I highly recommend the podcast for some great facts and quality entertainment. So... That was lovely to hear. Thank you, Alicia.
1: Oh, lovely!
0: Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Always a pleasure. Uh, Caleb, thank you for thank you for sort of coming uh, and sort of joining in, sitting up with us weirdos. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we really appreciate it, listeners. Thank you very much. I hope to see you again for our Christmas special episode, which I really have no idea when I'm going to be able to record that. But there we go.
3: <laughs>
0: okay. All right. Until next time. <gasps> Bye! Bye. Bye. thanks for having me. Gorded Film was hosting and created by Giles Goff. That's me. Mixing and editing by Giles. Our logo was designed by Julie Walsh. And our theme tune was composed by Rick Lee. Fact checking and waffle editing by literally no one. I've gone drunk with the lack of oversight. Please rate and review, unless it's a one star, in which case just remember, I'm Giles. I'm a geek. I'm from the city of Bangor in the land of Wales. I'm 40.5 years old. And I'm the man who's going to entertain you and the minds of all six other people listening to this podcast. You got a problem with that? In that case, hello and see.